previously on Impact Wrestling. The mysterious group of thugs who call themselves the Aces and Eights were causing havoc, attacking who they wanted, when they wanted. This is total nonstop anarchy! Sting, Aries, and Angle were ready to fight back, but Bobby Roode was looking to place blame. The man behind the Aces and Eights is none other than Cowboy James Storm. I have no connection at all of these guys. All of these guys. Storm denied, but the Aces and Eights' next attack raised more questions. Aces and Eights attacks again all over AJ Styles. They attacked everybody but you. The next time you want to accuse me, make sure you know the damn truth. After Kurt Angle's victory, the chaos erupted again. Aces and Eights, they've struck once more. Impact stars were ready to bring the fight, but when the Cowboy joined the fight, the Aces and Eights walked away. Well, James Storm, I came out there to rescue, and that Aces and Eights, they didn't, they didn't want to tangle up with him. Is there a connection between Storm and these thugs? Can James Storm be trusted? This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen, yeah. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. <laughs> What's up to Billy Scott Wood, the Gooch of Thunder, TN Couponer, Dippin' Donuts, A-Track Black, SNS Express, hey, Richie Smetnik, you know who you are, John McHugan, and all of the Reflectionites that have been riding with us, some been day one-ish, some have been joining us for the last three months, but you know who you are. And welcome to the PWSL Networks at Podbean.com and also welcome to the Reflection Nights on the PWSL Networks on the YouTubes. I am that man that hosts that nostalgic show, the PWR Podcast, aka the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. I am that scholarly host. I am that magnanimous host. But most importantly, I am the glorious host. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC. The only objective objective man in the political punditries, your friend and mine, the always sexy Professor Chabella Cruz, welcome you to the PWR Podcast. But I'm not here alone. I never do this alone. 
because if I do this alone, this will be the professor's perspective or retrospective. But I need a cohort in crime. I need a partner in crime. And I need somebody to tell me things that even the professor doesn't know. And that is the man right here. He's the Bob Mackie, Gorilla Monsoon, Lord Alfred Hayes, and all that stuff roll up into one. He is your friend of mine, the liberal conservative, the man that's got Governor Whitmer on his Rolodex. He calls her up, he gets some bootay, and of course he gets, I think he gets some good water out of it too because he doesn't get that Flint, Michigan water. He gets the good, good sparkling spring water from I think up in Canada. He's your friend of mine, Mr. Wonderful, the Iron Stomach, the man of the Dum Dum Duos, your friend of mine, Tommy Wonder. How are you doing? You are looking like a cross between James Storm and you got the phenomenal AJ Styles t-shirt. What is going on, my friend? How are you doing? I'm excited because we're doing a review of an NXT show from 2012. <laughs> you, you know what, Reflection Nights? He is not half wrong here because what we're going to be doing here is an episodic episode. You know, I had to keep y'all on your toes. I even kept T.W. on his toes here. And when I decided to do this, you know, you know T.W. my rule that old school is 10 years and above. This is nine years, so you know what, it, it passes that curve just a little bit. But of course... Nine and a half. Nine and a half, you could go with that. But it, just like what we did with Ring of Honor, I just wanted to show the Reflectionites to put some respect. Not with a T, but with a K on certain organizations that people have forgotten about or people have disrespected. And while TW is holding a phenomenal AJ Styles action figure, is that a WWE one or a TNA one? I have zero TNA figures. I wanted a Terry Taylor one, but I got Red Rooster for WWE. Oh, okay. But anyway, just like we did Ring of Honor TW, we put some respect on that organization's name and try to give some respect to some organizations because again, like I keep saying TW, the IWC, YWC, you know, the perfect people in the IWC, YWC, you know, they've done no wrong. They're so, they're so perfect in the way they live their lives and judge things that happening in 2021. We got to remind people about a, a little organization that could. It's been going, I can't say going strong, but it's been going on <laughs> for about 19 years. It is TNA. Total Non-Stop Action, a.k.a. Impact Wrestling. And the reason I wanted to pick this one, because we're doing one from August 8th, 2012. And the date is not really the significant part. But what happened last week, TW, is Impact Wrestling had a pay-per-view, Slammiversary. They're trying to open their forbidden doors. They're, they're letting everybody in there. It's not a forbidden door when you're letting everybody in. That's a whole door. Right. They're, they're hoes. They're, they, they're, they're, getting, they're, they're getting the train run on them. New Japan's running a train on them. Triple A is running a train on them. AEW is running a train on them. So, you know, their asses hurt. Their buttholes are hurting. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But they had a pay-per-view Slammiversary. And, and Slammiversary is celebrating, you know, the existence of Impact Wrestling, which started in June of 2002, TW. And the little, you know, the old saying, the little engine that could, they've lasted this long. They've had owners like Jeff Jarrett. They've had owners like Dixie Carter and Panda Energy. They've had owners like Billy Corgan. And now they have owners like Anthem Entertainment. But in 2012, that we're doing here, the business of Impact Wrestling, a.k.a. TNA Wrestling, was owned and operated by Dixie Carter and Panda Energy, 
was on Spike Television every Thursday night. They were pulling in 1.5s, you know, 1 million to maybe 2 million, the most TW. So, you know, and you've always give props to TNA Wrestling because you, know, you always know Scott Demore and uh, who else you know, the referee, I forgot his name. Half the roster that's currently there. Mm-hmm. Swinger, I know Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo's my Johnny, friend. Johnny Bravo's your friend. Uh, my buddy Jeff Cavanaugh's the ring announcer in Canada, but they, he, he can't get down there. Uh, mm-hmm. They got someone else, but and Scott, obviously. But uh, over the years, um, a, a lot of the guys that came through Border City, like Team Canada, I know every single one of those guys. Every, every member, Petey Williams was in a was in the CIA. Damn it, Canadian mm-hmm. Alliance with me and the Smooth Mover Chris Pilon and Jeff Cavanaugh. Um, so I've always had a soft spot for him, but I, I guess I've always shown him respect, but there were times when I was not a fan of it. I, I just like AEW, I don't like when companies take shots at WWE. It's like, just stop, just go out there and be different. Show you're better. You don't have to be grade three about it and talking smack. And Jared did that a lot in the beginning. Um, and, but one thing I have finally come around on, and the only thing I give AEW a problem for doing is they said they wouldn't do it. But when a guy leaves the WWE, if the guy's worth a damn, why would you not sign him? I mean, it makes no sense to say, I'm not going to sign WWE cast-offs. And then mm-hmm. not only would you be passing up someone you should have signed, but you went the opposite way and signed every damn guy that ever gets fired from there. So if AEW didn't say that, I wouldn't have the issue with it. Back in TNA, what I had the issue with is every single guy, and I said this probably last week when we talked about Ring of Honor or whatever, whenever that was, it was the same formula. The second you signed there, you either won the title in your first pay-per-view or you chased for it and didn't win it and then fell down the ladder. And so it always reminds me of that pool meme where it shows a kid and the parents looking at the kid and it says, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better one. Three three people are drowning. One is right. up. No, one's one at is- the bottom, which would right. be a Christian. And mm-hmm. one has just been tossed to the side. We'll say that's Rhino. And then they're reaching for Chavo Guerrero, right? Like, like mm-hmm. yeah, all right, come on. And and that's the formula through in, throughout. I mean, AEW, I suppose if Alistair Black is going for Cody, he's not going right to the top, but he's still going right to the main matches, right? Like he, did, he didn't come in and beat a couple punks and then work his way up. He came mm-hmm. right in on Cody. The Brainbusters Jr. came right in on the Young Bucks or whoever they were feuding with when they got there. So... To me, when you do that, everybody else, you push to the end of the line, or at least down the line. And, you know, someone you like hot, you, hot, you hot shot the, the WWE name into the mainstream or into the, the main t- the title at the cost the of the, like the diehards. Right. Bobby Roode. Eventually, they all got to the top. God bless them. Mm-hmm. They all did. Every single one of those three guys uh, and others. Uh, I right. don't know if Daniels and Kazarian ever did anything singles. But they were always on top, tag team, mm-hmm. uh, X Division, whatever. Um, but to me, those are the guys you should have been rewarding. But the second you bring in Chavo Guerrero, you, you're you bumping all those other guys down. you know. Yeah. And, and that was what my problem was. And then the number one problem I had with Impact Wrestling, which is not a part of this show, is that damn ring. I hated it then. I hate it now. I, I can't even watch The six sides? When I look at it, I just think, ah. And when Sting well, does the finger splash, it looks so, like, he literally looks lost doing it. Like, mm-hmm. which corner am I supposed to throw him to? And, and once you look at it, it's easy, but you almost got to do it like um, you're throwing him to the ropes. And mm-hmm. then the guy just hits the corner. That way Sting can just come straight across. Because otherwise, 
your kitty corner with the corners instead of you know direct diagonal. It's just I hated that ring. And 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 then then they bring it back after they got rid of it because they thought it would help ratings. Well, again, well, with this episode from August 2nd, 2012, it was four-sided. So you was calmer watching this episode. Yeah. It, it was the traditional that you liked. Yes. But it's funny how you said that certain people, you know, that they hot-shotted into, like, a, a, a big high-profile storyline. Chavo Guerrero debuted is, is a great example. And, of course, Reflection Us, you know we go on boardroom style. We're not going to go segment by segment because that's kind of boring. You've already heard podcasts do that, and we don't do that. The PWR boardroom style, we smoke in the exotics that Greenpeace has given us. So we're going to talk about any anything and everything here. But using Chavo Guerrero as a litmus test is what you said. Anybody, anybody that gets into TNA gets the hot shot to a great angle, and and I think Chavo Guerrero, once he got, he left the WWE, it was basically after like two months, he got, gets to TNA Wrestling, he teams up with Big Super Max Hernandez, they become, you know, they become like a Latin, they become like a Latin American Express type of team, but they weren't, and they almost, and they win the tag team titles in a matter of months. Let me give you that example. Two, you talked about the diehards that were there. And certain diehards that were here still in 2012, AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, James Storm, just to name those few. Of course, Samoa Joe is still there in 2012 TW. And, you know, you said it yourself, in those years of the TNA, during the spike years, Hulk Hogan comes. And he's not wrestling, but he has, he has input. And one of his input decisions actually happens in this episode because who was the heavyweight champion here? Austin Aries. And I had no problem with Austin Aries being the TNA heavyweight champion. I actually thought it was a great, uh, I wouldn't say great business decision, but knowing the track record of Austin Aries, knowing the track record that he's hard, you know, quote unquote, he's hard to deal with behind the scenes. Prove that. He proved that years later, but during this, he was it was kind of like a he was on probation to me, and he was on good behavior, so good that he became the TNA heavyweight champion, and and it was kind of redemption. So you know, this is an organization like this is needed not only for variety purposes, TW, but you know opportunities and and to 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 grow and and to show and to showcase your talent. So I have no problem with that. But let us go back to the diehards that you talk that we were talking about. AJ is there, Daniels is there, Kazarian is there, Storm is there, and Bobby Roode. And Bobby Roode is there. So they're always in the mid card slash upper mid card. They main event pay per views here and there. Of course, Bobby Roode's a former champion. Uh, AJ is a former champion, and it's funny here, TW. It's 2012. AJ's got one more year left, and then he goes to Japan. Bobby Roode's got about two more years, and then he goes to NXT. Sting is here for two more years, and then he appears on Survivor Series 2014. So it's kind of funny that in the short span of time, in in years, most of these people are gone. But let's get, let's get with the diehards, TW. Why, in your humble opinion, we all, com- I don't know if we all complained wholeheartedly or we all agreed on this, but we all knew one thing. They never got the opportunity to get the torch. 
they never had the torch to carry it or run with it. Do you agree or disagree? Or you think that they, they, they get it, but they wouldn't get it for long. It's it's just like the flare. Flare would lose about like like I said when we did that show. Um, the bash. The bash when Sting wins the belt and he doesn't even have it ten months later, mm-hmm. and it's 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 politics, right? So as long as you got the. I'm going to go back to what you said about Austin Aries. It's absolutely stunning to me that Austin Aries is the champion when you have Bubba Ray there, you have James Storm, you have Kurt Angle. You know, Sting is a GM, but he's he's out there in his ring gear. I didn't understand that part. Mm-hmm. Um, he part-time wrestles. Huh? He part-time wrestles, and right. I'll talk about I the angle that he's involved with. All the time. So right. just to keep him on TV, he's GM. But, but you got all these guys there, and to have Austin Aries, who, again, no, no, no offense. It's not like I was a big dude, but I also wasn't the world heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. He's shorter than Neville. It's, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I don't get me wrong. I, I think him as a heavyweight champion in NXT makes perfect sense because NXT is where everyone's so similar in size. There are no giants versus midgets, for lack of a better description, other than right now. Karrion mm-hmm. Cross has no business being in NXT. He He's too big for all those smaller guys down there. You know, obviously you had Rey Mysterio beat Kevin Nash, but that's an anomaly. That's a, And it was a fluke. Played as a fluke. It wasn't like he dominated him. Um, okay. We just talked about it before we went to record. Jeff Hardy ended up beating Karrion Cross, but cheated. And you think it's going to carry over to NXT, which would be awesome. Because then, it put, then it, all the people that are losing their shit because Karrion Cross lost are going to be like, whoa. Like, it meant it, it was part of something bigger. The IWC, YWC has zero patience. And mm-hmm. like I said, they think there should be 19 heavyweight champions because they don't understand only one guy at a, guy at a time can have it. And that mm-hmm. guy is the one you turn on first. So whatever. But at the end of the day, it is shocking. It's even more shocking that you're telling me Hulk Hogan was the reason he was champion because I would expect Brutus Beefcake or Kevin Sullivan or one of the Nasty Boys to be the champion if it was up to Hogan. Well, Hogan did have some clout. He had some ownership stake in Impact Wrestling. That's how he got into Impact Wrestling with Dixie Carter, the overtures that she made to Hulk Hogan. Of course, Hogan had the divorces and stuff like that, so he needed the money. So there were certain, you know, I'm not saying ownership stake, but he had some power. And, you know, when Austin, and he had some interest in Austin Aries, you know, he, he, he gave him a shot. And again, Austin Aries has this reputation, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm, I'm not here to say he, he he's a dick or a prick. That's for other people he's, to make their own. He's a low-budget CM Punk. Keep going. There you go. You said it. I'm not saying anything. But <laughs> during this period, he won the heavyweight title. It was a redemption. He was on a probation. So everything was good here. So it's it's nice to see that they started the program with the heavyweight champion, and they kind of went into the ROH storyline with the connection that he had with Kenny King. And you talked about Kenny King during our Ring of Honor that you said you were surprised that he wasn't in NXT. That's he the had. only guy in that match who's never been to the WWE. Right. And he's still in, and he's back in Ring of Honor. And again, maybe he has that Austin Aries, uh, you know, stank on himself with, with that reputation. But he didn't make it to NXT. He didn't make it to WWE for whatever purposes. But they started the the program against Bobby Roode and Zima Ion, who's in NXT. But I'm not. We're not here to talk about him. matches. Yeah, he's a, he's a good dude. I, I like him. Good you know, story I like him. too. Yeah. I, I, was, I remember that one. The documentary? 
that's how he ended up in Impact. Was he was heavily featured in that A and E biography on Ring of Honor where they followed Jim Cornette around. Mm-hmm. He was. It was his mom was sick with cancer. He was wrestling and was like a pizza delivery boy or something. Whatever he had, and he was the star of that show. And next you know he was on Impact, and then he got hurt real yeah. bad. And Jesse yeah. Sorensen hurt him, or he got hurt too. Or something I don't know. Well, they both had some bad injuries during their impact careers. But anyway, it was nice to see the, that that connection, that Ring of Honor connection. And we're not here to. And again, Austin Aries was the heavyweight champion. The the guy that was hot on his tails was Bobby Roos. So it was. I want to go back to what I was saying. Is like the Bobby Roos and the AJ Styles and the Samoa Joes and the James Storms. Again, they get the torch, but they never keep the torch. And, and let's 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 try to I'm not saying let's try to debate this TW, but you know they get the torch, and people could say let's go to the numbers, let's go to the ratings. If these guys had the torch and produce small ratings, then business business wise, you gotta go after the 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 WWE retread. You know you gotta get the Bobby Lashleys on top. You gotta get the Rhinos on top. You gotta get the RVDs who came into Impact Wrestling on top. Mm. And you gotta get like Kevin Nash on top. What say you, TW? Because that's the formula that TNA used. You just said it. I agree with what you're saying, but here's the biggest problem: they didn't give them the torch until the ratings were in the shitter. So it's mm-hmm. not their fault that they're in the shitter, mm-hmm. and. If people knew that the torch was given to them, it might pull it out of the shitter, but they don't leave the belt on them long enough for people to find out they have it to come back, and then by the time they come back, Kevin Nash is champion. Or, you know, Bobby Lashley's not a good example, because I would say Bobby Lashley would be, for me, what's nuts is Chavo Guerrero was nothing in WWE. Like, almost bad. Like, the the Irwin golf character or whatever. Um... And, but so him to come there and then just shoot him to the moon, and it also came across as them trying to make him Eddie Guerrero and was tacky. You are completely frozen right Please stand by. We are having technical difficulties. Apparently, one or both, you know, guys are, well, really drunk or something. I, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, we'll be right back after we figure this out. Yep. Yep, stuff happens. All right, TW, we had a little bit of a, a glitch in the matrix, if you will, but we were talking about how, you know, the diehards, the, the day oneers of TNA, the Bobby Roods and the AJ Styles, they didn't get that torch. And you were saying something very good, but then, you know, the Biden administration had, you know, they came in and, like, infiltrated the, the, the Wi-Fi connection. But now we're back. We're on a pirated Donald Trump network. So he is not going to let us get out of this, uh, out of this Wi-Fi. So go ahead, TW. What we say? What say you? We had to sneak out into the woods where they can't find us because of the tree cover. So what I was saying is they give them the torch, but the problem is they give them the torch too late. And the ratings are already in the crapper. So when they give them the belt, the people who walked away because they didn't like the product would have stuck around had they knew AJ or or Bobby Roode or James Stone was going to be champion. But when they walked away, it was because uh, Bubba Dudley was the champion or Kevin 
trash or whatever. So then they give them the belt. The ratings don't change. They blame it on them, and then they go back to a Kevin Nash or whatever. Like, I'm not going to put Kurt Angle in that group because Kurt Angle was – Kurt Angle, Christian, Rhino, and even Bubba. The problem with Bubba is he was a tag team wrestler. Now, all of a sudden, he's just dominant singles wrestler in the same gear. At least change your outfit, Bubba. But anyways, I digress. The point is I'm not going to talk about guys like that because those guys were still in their prime. We're talking, hey, let's be blunt. Sting, Hogan, Kevin Nash, uh, DDP, um, and all these other guys, even Booker T to a point, even though he had something to give, he still was long in the tooth, right? Because Christian, Rhino, Angle were WWE guys who came in towards the ass end of a Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, or even later than that, the ass end of The Rock and Austin, even though they were there when Austin was there. Um, Whereas... Booker T was in 1992 WCW. Sting was in 92. Hogan was in 92. Kevin Nash was there earlier than that and then came back in 96. So you keep putting on these fossils, for lack of a better term, um, and it's driving people away. And and they think, you know, it's just like when I did an indie show, right? They bring in a name. They pay him $1,000. They pay the rest of us a hot dog and a handshake. That guy did not put $1,000 more people on the seats. The people that come to local wrestling shows were coming no matter what, and they've proven it time and time again when they came to shows that didn't have a name on it. So when these guys put these guys on there, it doesn't move the needle. Hogan, yes. Sting, yes. Maybe. Right? We don't know for sure because... Well, Hogan was needed. Remember, he came in in 2010. Hogan was needed to bring that... uh, no, that's what I mean. Well, this this team, wait, let me just say it. Let, let me just say this. Not watching wrestling. Is oh, what I'm, no, no. Right, but let me just say this. Dixie made that overture to Hogan for a specific reason, to get right. a brand awareness. Right. So whether, you know, Hogan, but the only problem with Hogan was he needed a new hit, and he needed to be 10 years younger because that's the value that Hogan brings to right. a wrestling company. He brought value to WCW because he can still go. Right. But he couldn't bring value to TNA because he couldn't. So, but she still thought that the name alone and the people that probably he would be associated with would be just, just enough to get people to maybe switch over and say, hey, what the hell is going on here? But the problem that she did was she relied too heavily on the people of the past and the WWE retreads and didn't focus too much on the future, which she had in in the palm of her hand. But again, like I say, if they don't bring the numbers and you get kind of like skittish on the on the ratings and, and the metrics, if the, if AJ is not doing it, I understand her reasonings. I don't agree with it, but I understand. But and the funny thing about AJ, he had to prove to Dixie. It was he literally had to prove to Dixie, not prove to himself, because he knew his his work. He had to prove to himself to Dixie that he had value in the world of professional wrestling. What did he do? In two years, he goes to Japan, and he becomes one of the top gaijin wrestlers, American wrestlers, reflecting that, in Japanese history, two-time heavyweight champion. You don't do that for an American wrestler in Japan. That's a big deal. And, of course, you know TW, 2016, when he made that debut in Royal Rumble, and he's been there ever since. So AJ Styles is a Hall of Famer which is a great example of his worth. But let's just go back into this episode here because what they're doing, TW, is called the Bound for Glory series. 
It's a, it's not a single elimination tournament, TW. It's a point system tournament, which lasted from, I believe, June of 2012 all the way to Bound for Glory. So this was months. They were racking up points. You know, by the time it got to October, which was Bound for Glory time, TW, it was like 145 points and, and stuff like that. And by that time, I think Bobby Roode won the championship in 2012. No, 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 I'm sorry. It was Jeff Hardy who won the, the, the Bound for Glory series, and then he beat uh, Austin Aries to become the champion in 2012. I remember that vividly now. So, uh, what? Was he not even there yet when it started? Because I don't remember him in the top 10 uh, ratings. No, he he was there. It wasn't a ratings. It was a point system. No, I'm right. The top ten points. Yeah, but it, it, he took it took while. It took a while because certain people that week, like Bubba Ray Dudley, was like fourth. He had a match in this Bound for Glory series, TW, against Robbie E, and he squashed right. him just to get a quick seven points. Right. So, I was a fan of the Bound for Glory series because I thought, you know, it it involved like ten people, TW. Right. And and. These 10 people kind of like, you know, it was musical chairs with the matches. One week it's a singles match. Another, meet, another week it's a, it's a hardcore match. Another week it's a tag team match. But it, it mattered, TW. To me, that's what we keep saying about storylines. This was a consistent storyline. It was a marathon storyline that went all the way to October. So, TW, Give me the pros and cons and your humble opinion about the Bound for Glory series as I explained it to you. It's a marathon until October, so this is the summer. This is the dog days of summer with this storyline going on, TW. The pros are this is very similar to the WCW one where the one we talked about not that long ago that concluded at war, or World War Three or whatever the hell where Flair and Sting and all those guys were getting points and all that. The cons are, when you do it as long as you do it, you run the risk of the AWA version where the middle of it airing on TV, Sergeant Slaughter's not even there anymore, and he's captain of one of the teams. So you run that risk. So when you book you're, confu- something- you're confusing two, uh, two different organizations. That's no. the AWA series. No. I know. That's what I said. The pro is okay. doing like WCW did it short, like a couple months, and it concludes mm-hmm. at a pay-per-view, and that's what they're doing with Bound for Glory. But the longer one, like AWA did, is by the time it airs on TV, some of these guys aren't there. So what you have to do is, if you're going to focus it on 10 guys, you better make sure all 10 guys are signed for the end of this thing. Because if you have, but like that's why I asked you about Jeff Hardy, I don't remember his name being on my screen when they showed the top 10. Robbie E. was last with five points. And mm-hmm. I remember James Storm, Samoa Joe. AJ was real low down there, but it made sense because he was on that PR tour in Australia. So you had Bubba Ray, James Storm, Bobby Roode, um, Robert Angle. Who? Kurt Angle's in it. Kurt Angle's. Uh, I already said Samoa Joe. Um, was our truth in it? Because I want to say they said he had a match coming up. So it was you, Pope. It was the Pope. Pope. The Pope, right. Uh, Austin Aries. Um, and I don't remember who else, but Jeff Hardy, I don't remember his name being there. So that's the other risk. You start booking it in June, and all of a sudden Jeff Hardy's available, and you sign him in September. How do you slide him in there? You almost got to just keep him out of it, but you just told me he won it. So it's, it's, it, you can mess up. Long, laid-out plans like that can be messed up by two things. One, someone coming or going, right? Like you're adding new guys who need to be in it. Because I think Mr. Kennedy might even have been in that thing. So He was in it, and RVD was in it. And RVD, yeah, because it was RVD versus uh, the Pope. 
So, so right there, we're almost at 10, and we didn't say Jeff Hardy. But the other problem is injury. Someone gets hurt because you're running a six-month gimmick, and you had that guy deemed to be the victor. You better have some X and Y scenarios for that to cover it. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, I was a fan of it, and thank goodness no injuries happened, so it wasn't as crazy. So every the stars aligned TW for the BFG series, and again, Jeff Hardy would win this at Bound for Glory in 2012, defeating Austin Aries. So, is that the infamous Austin Aries walking out? No, no, that's 20. That's 2018, 2019. Oh time. wow, that late. Remember, I told. Yeah, that late. This is this is good probation here. This is his probationary here. Jeff Hardy too. Uh, what are you talking about? When he lost, he lost on TV and he pouted and just walked out. It was wasn't that Jeff? Oh no, Hardy? that was that was Jeff Hardy in 2011 when he was drunk. He didn't pout. He was no, drunk. That's the thing. I'm talking about Austin Aries. Mm. That was 2019. Pipe bomb thing, like CM Punk's, but then he it was never on there again after it. So it probably was legit. Yeah, trust, trust the professor was 2019. No, that was against John Morrison. Oh, John Morrison, Johnny Drip Drip, yep. See, yeah, reflectionize this man, he drinks a lot of the good liquor from Michigan. And he confuses years here. And I keep telling TW what year it is, and then he remembers something else. The 2002s. Well, you know what? This is, ten, this is not even 10 years ago. You should remember this very vividly. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, TW. So let's go into – we don't have to go into the Bound for Glory series because we'll talk about that at the end. But what's prevalent on the – another storyline, you could say, was something that carried out – and this dragged out, I would believe, from 2012. It was in the summer of 2012, and it went on until about October – of 2013, maybe even October or December of 2013. And this is a group that started out as bikers in a mask, attacking the general manager, as you said, Sting, attacking the general manager, Hulk Hogan, uh, threatening the life of Hulk Hogan's daughter, Brooke. It was a group, a biker club called Aces and HTW. Now, this happened before Bullet Club because Bullet Club did not start until... 20, a little bit of 2013, and that was Finn Balor, and that was Carl Anderson, that's Tamatanga. Now, the guy in Aces and Eights, which is Luke Gallows, didn't join Bullet Club until 2013. So that's that's politics, and that's contract negotiation, that's contract situation. So I'm just trying to give you the precedence here. But, a, but some people say, well, I think Bully Ray said it on Busted Open Radio, if it wasn't for Aces and Eights, we wouldn't have the stellar history of the Bullet Club. But before Aces and Aces, there was a little group called the NWO and right. DX. Before the NWO and DX, there was a group called the Four Horsemen. Before them, there was the Freebirds. Before that, you know, and then there was Devastation Incorporated, TW. What say you about Dangerous Aces and Aces? The Heenan family, the Hart mm-hmm. family, the uh, Fuji and Jim, Jimmy Valiant Sable. I mean, there, there's always Sables, and I would never, ever insult the Bullet Club by saying they wouldn't exist if Aces and Eights didn't. Because Aces and Eights inevitably became another piss-poor NWO knockoff because everybody was in the damn thing. Everybody was in it, but no one knew who they were. Or, or two, no one cared about the people, the members that were in it. This episode that we watched, I do, I do remember a lot of it at the end there because Garrett 
Bischoff ends up in Aces and Eights, and that dude Briscoe, mm-hmm. he's hair up in the ponytail, but he's the dude that looks like Brian Pillman or or Brian Pillman Jr. with the mask on with the big hair coming out. I remember the mm-hmm. reveal of those two being in it. Um, and I don't remember, I remember we watched something, and I ended up watching something right after it where uh, Hulk Hogan got attacked, and it was Devon. And didn't Devon end up being the leader? He was the sergeant at arms of the... Uh, watch of this the All three of them are shaking hands with Kurt Angle. Um, mm-hmm. So you have Bischoff, Briscoe, uh, who no one knows or cares about. Devon, you have Luke Gallows. Uh, wasn't Mr. Kennedy in there at some point? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bubba Ray? He was the leader. He was the leader. And then so, mm-hmm. so Devon was his sergeant in arms. And then other guys came and went, and D'Lo was in it, I think. D'Lo was the uh, vice president at one point. Yeah, and I don't remember who else was in it, but it, it was just... And there was no Hogan. Hell, there was no even Hall or Nash. There was a bunch of X-Pox in that damn group. <laughs> well, you know what? I, again, when you look at the way they started, I'm going to try to, you know, because I am objective, TW, and I try to find the positives of things. Now, Aces and Eights was interesting when they had their mask. They were interesting because you said, who were these people? And, again, you could tell certain people. Wes Briscoe was too easy to tell because his hair came out of the mask. So I knew he was one of them. Now, Lou Gallows was a little bit tricky. They had Mike Knox, who was from WWE and ECW. It was hard to tell that one. It was a little bit hard to tell about D-Lo unless you was, you know, reading the dirt sheets and Dave Meltzer was kind of ruining it. Because remember, Impact Wrestling was not, was not live every week. There right. was, there was spoilers you know, for months in advance. And I, I try not to read the spoilers because the angle was interesting enough when they were, ma- when they were in the mask, TW. And they were in their, their blue, they were in their blue jeans and their biker things. And of course they had the voiceovers, you know, they, ha- they were like a uh, witness protection voices. Yeah. We're going to, we're coming here. People that eat flakes and won't admit it. Right. So when they had the mask on, I thought that was the positive. When right. the mask started coming off and the, you saw the people that were in it, then that's when the group got really ridiculous. And, of course, you know, the payoffs. We could talk about the, the history, but the ultimate payoff was that it was Bully Ray's ultimate idea because this was his plan B. Aces and Ace was his plan A and B. He was supposed, he said he was supposed to win Bound for Glory series. He was supposed to win at Bound for Glory to become the new heavyweight champion. It was his destiny. It was his dream. You know, it was his, uh, like I said, it was his destiny to become the heavyweight champion. But again, you had to shift it and make a storyline out of it. He fooled everybody. And the funny thing is, he didn't fool nobody. We all saw it coming. So, you know, you said what you said about West Briscoe and Garrett Bischoff and all that stuff, but... Wasn't there a positive with aces and eights, like I said, with the mask, and then the mask coming off was a negative? I, I would say the mask helped, but the gear didn't. I, I hated that they were in jeans and vests and all that, but what are they? What else can they do? They'd have to come dress as conquistadors because they had to, like, the, the thing where, where Devon got unmasked, he's covered up so much, you can't tell if he's black or white, right? So if, if, if you see an ounce of skin that tells you he's black, you know it's one of two people, him or Booker T, right? That, that's it. Mm-hmm. Or the Pope. 
But, you know, so they did a good job of covering everybody up and hiding them. Aces and eights. It's funny because you told me we were doing this after I did my trip or right before. And I was playing uh, Texas Hold'em when I was on my little four-day vacation. And every time I waited to get aces and eights when I got my hand out, I got king and two, which is just almost as bad as a Because aces and eights is the or king and seven. Aces and eights is the worst hand you can get dealt in, in Hold'em. So that's that was the whole pun was the cards and everything like that. But, but it had potential. Um... But it almost felt like they booked it on the fly. Uh, the Dudleys, to me, should have been more like the acolytes to the Undertaker. Neither one of them should have been the leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once you make Devon the Sergeant at Arms, it makes sense because he's with Bubba, but they're not a tag team anymore. So it looks like Devon's Bubba's bitch. And that's, that's what I don't like about it, right? Like, it would have been better to me if Devon was the leader, and he did it because he was sick of being in Bubba's shadow and cost Bubba the bound for glory instead of it being Bubba's plan B. Well, that that was Bubba's plan B. He had to, the illusion, T.W., that right. Devon was the leader. He cost Bubba Ray a couple of matches here and there. And, of course, they, you know, Bubba, like he said, he fooled everybody, but we didn't. We weren't fooled. I, I, we all saw it coming. We all saw the, the match, and that was locked down to 2013 where he beat Jeff Hardy to become the TNA Heavyweight Champion. I don't want to go too far ahead here. Right. But during the uh, the maturation of the Aces and Eights, of course you got to do that one storyline or that one promo where everybody in the TNA locker room, are, they have their suspects. And the biggest suspect in this particular episode from August 2nd, 2012 is the cowboy where's the hat it's cowboy james storm tw a former tna heavyweight champion and you know i always had this kind of argument with people who watch tna wrestling and i always said that i don't i'm not trying to diss james storm here but if it sounds like it i apologize to james storm i know he's a reflectionite at heart but (laughs) he was big in that bubble in the impact zone in Orlando, Florida, in Universal Studios in Florida. Or Tennessee. Or or Tennessee, yes, you're right. But when TNA and Impact travels, TW, across the country, when they did at a certain point in time, I think he was a great argument for what I kept saying with the metrics. He might have played well in Universal Studios in in Florida. He might have played well in Tennessee. But he's just not that dude to be that pillar and that Mount Rushmore to carry a company. I just felt that way. That was just the way I felt. It was a nice, you know, angle here that people thought that he would be, he would betray his company from day one and be the leader of Aces and Eights. What say you about the the promo of James Storm and all that stuff? They lugered him by making everybody think he was going to be the bad guy when he already has been a bad guy. And I think it hurt him. But in the big picture, they were trying to help him by showing he was loyal to Impact and he wasn't the guy. But they did it so well that, like I said, when Satanka pushed Luger off the top rope, they thought it was DiBiase turning good on Luger because he was Mm -hmm. already there, not the other way around. And it backfired. But my thing is, I... here Okay, again, we bounced back and forth today and, and yesterday. But another guy from Impact who's on NXT now, is Eli Drake, who's L.A. Knight, who, by the way, I said last week, he's growing on me. He comes off as a stone-cold rock ripoff, right? Mm-hmm. But you know why that's okay? Because it's 2021, and they were 
done in 2006. So 15 years ago, it makes sense that Eli Drake would have been influenced for the 10 years prior to that by The Rock and Stone Cold. James Storm came off as a Stone Cold knockoff while Stone Cold was still around, you know, at least fresh in people's minds. So I think he came off as an absolute Stone Cold knockoff. Not as bad as Renegade on Ultimate Warrior because he didn't shave his head and wear a vest. But you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Everything he did was like he was supposed to be this badass. Um, but the problem is they didn't book him to win. He was buried in the tag team with Bobby Roode, which was a great tag team, by the way. And then by the time he went by on his own, it's I don't think he was buried. I don't. I think because I he was just a, he's a he's a tag team wrestler. And okay. by the time they go to him, it it almost come off as they got no one left. You know what I mean? You know okay. you might think it's supposed to come off. I think Bobby Roode came off as the guy who Shawn Michaels his way to the in, in the individual matches by not being in a team anymore, and now he's on his own. Whereas James mm-hmm. Storm, not quite the Marty Jannetty. But it was like he was the only one left. It wasn't like he threw Bobby Roode through a barbershop window and then went on to bigger, better things. But I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like James Storm. I always liked his partner better. I loved Wildcat Chris Harris. I said this before on the show. Wow, what what a fall from grace that guy could have been. WWF would have made that a star. I don't know what the fuck they were making him a cowboy for. But he would have been a star if he didn't drink himself into the shape he was in and whatever other issues he had. But look pregnant. James Storm's grown on me. I actually was disappointed when he came to NXT and then left. It had something to do with he wanted to be close to his family, so that's why he went back to Impact or whatever. But my thing is, he did it long enough and consistent enough that I just accepted it as him, much like Eli Drake now is LA Knight. I just, you know what, I just enjoy him and I stop caring that he's influenced by someone, because if I'm going to be mad at them, then how can we not be mad at Hulk Hogan for stealing Billy Graham's gimmick, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, buddy, uh, you know, whoever's. But at the he end of the day, Graham. yeah, you're right. Did James Storm? No, I, no, I, I meant like there was another guy before Billy Graham that was like flamboyant. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous George. Yeah. So, but did James Storm sing his own ring music? No. Whatever that song was, I loved it, and I want to Google it. And long necks and redheads, I think it was. But I thought it was him, and I was like, "Whoa, this dude can sing!" Because it sounded like him. He talks in the beginning, saying, "Sorry about your damn luck," and then mm-hmm. it's singing, and the guy sounds just like his voice. So I'm a little bummed out that it wasn't him singing. No, it is a good TNA song that he had there. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not. I won't front on that. But James Storm again to me, he played well in a in the in the in the bubble. Of the impact of just like uh, I guess we can go into today's uh, 2021 to TW. If you play well in the bubble of the of the NXT Florida audience, that doesn't correlate. Right. That's your main roster success. And right. this is going to be that big uh, debate that we all have, because as hardcore fans, you know, you know, a couple of days ago, TW, we just talked about it with Karrion Cross. You know, he plays well with the IWC, YWC. He plays well that if you follow his career. And if you had, if you follow his YouTube channel, Reflectionites, Karrion Cross, a.k.a. Killer Cross, his promos, even before getting into the WWE or Impact Wrestling TW, he did that all himself. Right. He marketed himself. He he reminds me of, like, um, whatchamacallit, Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, when he did his own YouTube channel just to right. get himself over. He did it himself. And this is the indies. This is him, you know, making, a, you know, the hot dog and a handshake kind of money like you're talking about. 
He did right. that all on his own with his YouTube channel. But again, TW, there's that problem because if you're in that protected bubble, it just doesn't correlate to the masses. Why do we all think this way, TW? I think that's our trap. You know what, you know what the, the problem, IWC, You know the problem with YouTube successes? What, like, because okay. like, Zack Ryder, by all means, should have gotten over huge um, once they gave him that that push because of the internet success. But you know what mm-hmm. the big problem is? It's much like, you know, people complain about NXT guys coming up and sinking like lead balloons on the main roster. The people mm-hmm. that watch NXT aren't necessarily watching Raw, and the people watching Raw are not watching NXT. So they're not familiar. But with YouTube, what's even more, you know, un- dis- misunderstood is what do people do with YouTube? They watch shit over and over again. So you might have 2 million views on a Zack Ryder thing, but it might be 250,000 people watching it four times or four people watching it 250 times, right? So we don't know about the metrics of how YouTube uh, get the numbers. That's the only logical explanation of why a guy can get a million views on YouTube but can't get people to buy his merch at the arena, right? They, you know, or they already bought it from the internet or whatever the case may be, but it's got to be 1 million views is 200,000 people watching it five times. It's, it, it, and that's that's undercutting it because once you share it on Facebook and I share it on Facebook, people are watching it who don't watch wrestling, right? They're just watching mm-hmm. it because you or me shared it. And then they get about halfway through and go, what the fuck is this? And shut it off, but it still counts as a view, right? And that's the problem. If it was a YouTube WWE account and that particular episode got watched more than say the who's those guys that just got fired uh, early risers or whatever the hell they're called. Uh, yeah, you're confusing me. The tag team from NXT that just got released. They, they had a TV show on the the network. Um, oh, ever ready, ever ready, uh, and yeah. so people were stunned that they got released because they just renewed that show because people watched it. Doesn't mean those same people. Like their wrestling. They might only like... I never even watched their show. I didn't even know they had a show. I thought it was a rib because they always mm-hmm. get beat up by a girl every time I saw them. So I thought it right. was a rib, and then they got released, and I was like, okay, here today, gone today. They, to me, and you'll never hear me say this very often, to me, they came off as knockoffs of the Young Bucks. So that's that's why I think it's a good thing. Maybe they go. those guys are young enough, they go retool, and, and what's the guy in AEW now, Trent? Trent uh, and Barrett. Brett, that guy, I liked him and his partner and, and, and uh, ECW or whatever they were on. And then when he disappeared, I thought they left the business. So whenever I see, I don't like the name of their tag team. That's kind of, you know, Ferndale-ish, San Francisco-ish, best buddies or whatever they're called, best friends. Um, he just disappeared into the woods. Oh, he's back. He just dug a hole. I am back. Go ahead, TW. What are you going to say? I said you just dug a hole and put your poop in it and you came back. Oh, no, no, I didn't dug my hole. You know what it is? Reflectionize. We are in the trenches right now. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do some magic right now. We're going to do some magic. We're going to be... You're not going to see TW's hole. Oh, you disappeared the wrong guy. I did it again. I did it again. You disappeared. Yes, I disappeared, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to snap our, snap our fingers. One, two... Three. Yes, we are in the trenches of I don't know. It, it's called the uh, 
we're gonna call this the anti Biden bunker. The what? The anti Biden bunker. He can't get to us down here. Yes, you know Biden is trying to find us right now, and I'm 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 shrinking, I'm sinking. But you know what? I see trees. This is the future. This is very calming right now. I, I like this. What say you, T.W.? You like the the environment right now? I look like King Kong Bundy next to uh, the little the Irish uh, little guy, Hornswoggle. That's what I don't like. You know what? No, no homo here. We're not in like a bathtub trying to like you know enjoy each other's company's uh, reflection. Ice. We're just enjoying the the view. We're enjoying the serenity that is anti Biden, anti Trump things. Damn, T.W., you're scaring me right now. You're going in and out like that. Woo-hoo-hoo. That is crazy stuff. But anyway, T.W. I'm so small and I look like King Kong Bundy because I'm not King Kong Bundy size, damn it. But you know what, T.W., let's go into one more storyline within the, uh, the TNA bubble here, this TNA show from August 2nd, 2012, because they were trying to promote a, a pay-per-view here, Hardcore Justice, but that's neither here nor there. Again, this is the Bound for Glory series, but there was some intriguing storyline, and I got to go into the knockout division, TW. Madison Rain had the hot, I don't know if it was, she had the hots for Earl Hebner, or she was using Earl Hebner's horniness to get ahead in ding, the knockout division. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. But you know what, T.W., you know, men are just horny devils, man. You know, that Earl Hebner is the age of her father. You know, it looks like he's trying to go after her daughter right now, T.W. You know, it's... As long as it's not his daughter. Of course, as long as it's not his daughter. But what say you, T.W., you know, is it sexism that we have to exploit here because, you know... We don't we don't celebrate like an older woman younger man thing, but we celebrate the older man younger woman uh, demographic here. What say you, T.W.? I disagree because there is a term called May December Romance. There's a movie called The Graduate with a song by Paul Simon called Mrs. Robinson. With older women with younger men have been celebrated for a long, long time. It's actually probably. Uh, liberating women, right? For because uh, uh, that's the stigma is that old dudes trade in their older wives for younger ones. Um, back when women didn't work and they stayed home, it was unfair. That's why we had child support. Um, so, so this is this is technically this is the more realistic version of what really happens. It's a young, attractive chick taking advantage of an old guy. Because what old guy would say no? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This isn't love. It's never love. Whenever you see a, even a 40-year-old woman with a 65-year-old dude like you have there, come on. You know none of those three chicks love that dude. They were probably with each other more than they were with him, but they wanted Playboy money, and they got it. So really, it's not sexist. They're tricking themselves, right? And I mean trick, like a pimp. They're tricking themselves. It's the John. Yes, I get it. Very common. That's why I think whenever a young buck like ourselves can take one for the team and us get up with a, like Eddie Murphy hooking up with Eartha Kitt and Boomerang, one of the greatest movies of all time. That should be celebrated because that's finally winning one for the boys. And I, and I appreciate it. This it's blatant. She's just making, and this, I don't even buy agree exists at this point yet, but he's buying her, you know, whatever. And it ends up making Andy, all that stuff. He's courting her. Right, he's courting her, but it makes him look like a sick old man when the reality is she's the one working him. She's the heel here, right? So 
But inevitably, with our society, he's going to look like the bad guy at the end of this. Because, like I said, if you're even me, I'm 48 years old. Some some 22 year old chick's like, hey, and I'm like, uh, hey, as long as she didn't look 12 to me, it's because you know 30's a good age, right? Shania Twain at 30 was probably the hottest chick I've ever seen in my life. Kimberly Page. Um, so why would a guy not be attracted to a 30 year old girl, no matter what his age is, if the entire world is now? That said. Madison Rain, they should probably feed her more. She's way too skinny for this guy. So I, I, I thought she looked tiny and maybe even sick. But the angle is clearly her taking advantage of a senile old man. And I love the reference. There was a WWE reference, if you didn't catch it. She says to Gail Kim, he is a professional. He would never screw anybody. And she even paused before saying, in the ring. Like, she's basically implying that he screwed her. But the reference was to him screwing over Hulk Hogan with the twins with Andre the Giant. And I thought that was gold. Of course. It's Earl Hebony. You know it's always the screw part. Yes. Yes. He's got two in his belt. I forgot about that. (laughs) Of course. And you know what? Let's let's look at the ladies' division here, the knockouts that were in this match. We don't have to talk about hole for hole, but you you got Mickey James, Hardcore Country, who just came... Again, this is a great example of what you're talking about with the TNA formula. She left SmackDown maybe in 2011 and got into early 2012, and she's already in the TNA knockout title picture. You got former WWE Women's Champion uh, Tara, a.k.a. Victoria, in this match. You got Gail Kim. She never really liked the WWE in the first place, so she always was. She always loved TNA because of the wrestling aspect of it, but they never paid her, so she, that's why she came back that one time, and then she left again to go back to TNA. And, of course, the, heavy, the uh, TNA Knockouts champion at the time of this episode was Miss Tessmacher, and, of course, we, you talked about Madison Rain here at TW. This is a nice core of women here, women wrestlers here, and, of course, you got ODB, and stuff like that. So, T.W., you know, women's wrestling never gets the respect with a K that TNA, you know, I'm not saying TNA Impact Wrestling started women's wrestling. I'm not saying that. But, you know, they started to push. That evolution, the revolution did start with TNA, and you can't deny it. I can't deny it. I can't front with it. You know, we know that Becky, Sasha, the four horsewomen of NXT, they took it to another level, but that level had to start somewhere, and when, the TNA uh, knockout started the bar. When was um, Trish and Lita? That's 90s, right? Late 90s, early 2000s. How's that not the beginning of it? Because they never got the respect, because it was always bra and panty matches. I'm gonna, I'm I gonna remember shoot. them more. I'm going to shoot here for you. You ready? Shoot. Shoot. Impact Wrestling never got the respect from me and i would suspect many others because they kept fucking asking for it if you just shut up and go out there and do it and then maybe get cocky because i will say this about the four horsewomen they just went out there and had good matches and all of a sudden somebody took notice of them went whoa these girls are good and then they got their shit you know we're like we're the best we'll do it better than men but they earned it they earned the right to say that right because here's the thing there were good girls in, in Impact, and Gail Kim was definitely one of them, but she had a shitty attitude. To me, I will always remember her for eliminating herself 
out of that battle royal to walk out. It was tacky. It's no different to me than seeing up seeing punk belly aching on the internet. It's bad business. It, it's it's terrible. It's bridge burning, and you did it on live TV. They trusted you to go out there and do something, and you did that. That's that would make me as Dixie Carter or Scott Demore in Border City, which Scott loves her because she came from Border City. Um, that would make me not trust her because if she's going to do that to the biggest company in the world, she's going to do that to anybody she thinks she's not getting respect from, right? So that's where I didn't respect them. But looking back, they weren't all good, right? ODB, crass, but she entertained, right? Uh, Belvis Sky and what the other Angelina. one? Who? Angelina Love. Yeah, Angelina Love, also uh, a <laughs> girl. Um, they they entertained, but they were don't kid yourself. Those two were TNA, no pun intended, right? Gail Kim, Mickey James, even uh, whatever her name was oh. there, um, Luna Marie or Linda, whatever. You know, what, what's her Victoria? But I don't know what her name was there. Right. Those girls all worked. You could tell those girls probably grew up watching wrestling. Those girls wanted to be wrestlers, so I respect them. But the whole roster wasn't great. Just like it's not all great on on small rec, blah, blah, raw and SmackDown now and NXT, even the NXT girls, they're, they're it's it's probably to me the the weakest crop they've had, and they're acting like it's the best crop they've ever had. I disagree um, because I think they right spread them out, huh? No, I'm just saying that's the shoot right there for reflection. Because you can't run around telling people they have to respect you because that's the fastest way to get people to not respect you. Mm-hmm. No matter well, how. Well, Okay, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not saying I, I disagree with you, but looking at this match, TW, you know, this was a three-way uh, match for the number one contendership, and uh, Madison Rain won because of what she, I'm sorry, four-way. Madison Rain won with the help of Earl Hebner. He screwed Victoria, a.k.a. Tara, so it was a funny way to end that match. So this way, uh, Madison Rain becomes the number one contender, TW. So, you know... You said something about, you know, it's it's lore of the, the older man, younger woman here, but the way Madison Rain was dressing behind, you know, when they had those promo shots, she looked like the schoolgirl. So she wasn't, she didn't look like she was late 20s, early 30s. She looked like she was 16, 17, like Britney Spears and Hit Me Baby One More Time. Felt like a 12-year-old boy. That, that too, and, that, you know, maybe if that's what Earl Hebner liked, then that's kind of uh, illegal in a couple of states. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So let's close it out, TW, with the main event. It was a Bound for Glory series match. James Storm against Kurt Angle. And, you know, Kurt Angle's run in TNA Impact Wrestling, you know, some people are feel cheated that he left WWE in 2006. You know, and he had his... Well, you're raising your hand. Some people felt he you know, cheated because he had the good matches with Samoa Joe. He had the great matches with AJ Styles and Bobby Roode and so on and so forth. And not a lot of people got to see it, celebrate it, and endear themselves with Kurt Angle's legacy. He is a Kurt, he is a Hall of Famer for TNA Impact Wrestling, and he deserves it. He's a Hall of Famer for WWE, TW. What say you about that? You know, I, you just raised your hand. You felt cheated. Why do you feel cheated that he did what he did business-wise? He did a lot in the WWE, so it's not like he left, but, like, he could have done a lot more in that six years that he was an Impact. But we're probably still talking about Impact 
being around because Kurt Angle went there. He was finally the Hogan or the Sting that they got from there. Uh, you know, to, I go with Sting. I go with Sting, not Hogan. Um, but my problem with it all along, and I think he got there when it was that stupid ass six sided ring. Uh, but mm-hmm. my problem is the WWE only fired him because he wouldn't go to rehab. That's, they fired him thinking he would have no choice but to go to rehab. They would have paid for it for him. And instead, a week later, he shows up on Impact. And I just thought, you know, and it was just, this is another thing I had issues with TNA for. They did the same thing with Jeff Hardy. And it was almost like, hey, you want to come down here and fail drug tests? We don't care as long as you get people to watch. And I just thought, look, look how Kurt Angle is now. Kurt Angle is a broken human being, right? I'm glad he came back. Had his swan song like like uh, the Ultimate Warrior got. I'm glad he didn't die at the third day. But I'm, I'm glad all that. But Jeff Hardy was so high and drunk that Sting shot on him to take the belt back. And that's what you deserve for taking a guy who got let go from the number one company in the world while he was over because he would not go get help. And then you just enabled him. And that's what I... They did that with, with Angle. They Angle was messing with drugs, but it was more of a painkiller thing because he had issues with his neck and wasn't getting them taken care of because he didn't want to miss out matches. Uh, I figure right. out. He didn't rest. He didn't rest. He took painkillers for all his wrestling career, you could say. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or he drank. I met him. That dude drank two beers at a time, and he drank them in two sips each to a total of four sips. And, and anyone that brought him a beer that night, he drank. Didn't care what kind it was or anything. That's a good sign to someone that's in pain, Right. Mm-hmm. And it was right when he was at the end of Impact because I think it might have been 2015. It, it was right when he was uh, like wrestling. I think at the end, didn't he wrestle like he's like I got six more matches, and then at the end of he it, he was Ashley. He wrestled Drew McIntyre and stuff yeah, like that. Went part time, and he said he's got this amount of matches left, and then he's done. Whatever the case, when he came to the Border City show, he only came to talk in the ring, and he like pushed Scott or something. But he didn't take bumps. He didn't wrestle because he was so broken by then that he had no choice. Right, like he couldn't do it anymore. He was going to be in a wheelchair or a grave, one of the two. And I, I blame Dixie Carter for signing him when he should have went for help first. And, and you know what? It, it's it's sad, and I I think I've heard it from both guys. Him and him and Vince McMahon have like a father son relationship. Um, so you know that was stressful for both of them. That that he did something because he thought he needed to do it to help him, and then he goes and knights him in the back and goes to the competition. Who we both know was never really the competition, but you get it. You get he he made them better. That's for sure. When he went there, um, well, that, you know that, I'm not gonna. Def- I, I'm not going to defend Kurt Angle's decision because that he's a grown man, right. but he did take the painkillers, like you said. But the softer schedule for TNA did help extend his wrestling career. Did it? You know, <laughs> no, but you know they didn't like wrestle 350 days no, out of the year. Like, yeah, but that is make no mistake. That's not why he went there. That's why Rhino's there right now. He turned down a WWF contract so he could go there but still own his marina and get into the, the second half of his life career and still wrestle and make money when he needs to. That's different. So, you know, as long as there's a way to make money, that's all that matters in my humble opinion, TW. And, and this match that he had with James Storm, it really wasn't about the BFG series. Storm wins the main event, but of course, the storyline of of everything, the cloud over the match was aces and eights. 
And, of course, everybody accused James Storm of being the leader. And, of course, outside the ring, you had Sting, you had Bobby Roode, you had Austin Aries, you know, acting as bodyguards. And, of course, Aces and Eights did not make an appearance. And they ended with a schmaz with everybody that was outside fighting inside the, the, the ring, TW. So what say you about this whole episode and the building blocks of not only the Bound for Glory series, but Aces and Eights? And let's close it up in a tiny in a tidy boat. What I say is, when it ended, and I didn't get to find out who any of them damn aces and eights guys were, let alone not even see them, I was like, why in the hell did Professor just make me watch an hour and a half of this shit when I got nothing out of it for Ace? I still don't know who, when. I, which, again, I'm going to end up watching it on my own, and I'm going to say, oh, yeah, I did just see this shit. There's a reason I don't remember it, because it was garbage. But I... Uh, what I got out of this was I started out the show by joking around saying it's NXT. It's amazing to me to see how many guys went from NXT or from, from TNA to NXT. Uh, that belt looks similar to the X division belt, you know, especially the first NXT title belt. And it almost makes sense. And, and to me, I think that's why I, well, obviously I have a personal interest in cheering for my friends that are there, but I think that's why I, I like Impact more now. I think they know their role. I've said it a million times on this show that they don't, they're happy to be. They don't need to take shots at anybody. They're just happy to exist. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing for me. And I like that Scott, Scott has had meetings to get Impact on the WWE Network and they exchange uh, videos and footage so that they could each do their own thing with guys that are in each respective place that have been in both. Um, so I like that about it. And uh, what it made me do, and if Travis still listens, it made me realize something. There was a time when I did not like Impact, and I didn't watch it. Even though my buddies were on there, I'm pretty sure it was the time when they tried to go Monday night head-to-head, when they when they tried that shit with Bischoff and whatever. That was, and I, that was 2010. Here we go again. I'm like, just stop it. It didn't work. With a billionaire running the company that you did it with, yeah, it worked for 83 weeks, but how, how are you now? So I just don't like that. I like, like you talked about it a year ago when it all was playing out, or a year and a half now, how we're going to have impact on, on Tuesday nights. We're going to have AEW and NXT on Wednesday. We're going to have SmackDown on Friday. We're going to have Raw on Monday. And we're going to have, I think it was NWA was actually Tuesday or something like that, or Thursday um, we had all this. Oh, back on Tuesdays right now on Fight TV. NWA is on Fight TV on Tuesdays. Right. But what I'm saying is I like that. You don't have to watch it all, but you can if you want to. You don't have to pick and choose which one I like. So I like NXT going to Tuesday, and I don't care if hockey was the excuse. It was the move that benefited wrestling fans more. I haven't watched either one of them much since they did it. But if I had cable, I would probably watch AEW now because when I had to make my choice, not that the Nielsen, the Nielsen sent me something, actually. Finally, they must have listened to our podcast, and they sent me a, a thing so I could fill it out. First one ever. But I would probably watch AEW when they're on a separate night because I did watch it on demand every now and again on the TNT app. But when, when you're making me pick and choose between live shows, I'm going with the one that was there first. And we all know NXT is my favorite. It's my baby. Um, but I... I I like when they all just get out of each other's way. I think when you do that, you have a better chance of Vince McMahon, especially right now. I just read today that a SmackDown show got canceled for ticket sales. Like, 
if you're on separate days and you're not being an asshole and talking shit about him, this is probably the closest we'll ever be to Vince going, fuck it, let's do a super show. Let's have everybody on it, right? And the first one yeah. can be a couple matches from each promotion, see how it works out, and then the next one can be intergenerational, like interpromotional, where, you know, like maybe even on the one where you have all that, you have it end with a couple WWF guys squaring off with a couple AEW guys, with a couple Impact guys, like the damn scene in Anchorman where all the different TV stations are that, that's that's where we're headed to because that's the only that's the to me TW the, the forbidden door or just this working collaboration is to me and this is my shoot I guess I'll say it's the last gas for wrestling to have let's just say water cooler talk and Come. for that for mainstream because if this doesn't work and I hope it does but then it just it just devolves back down to like that niche. And right. just the, the, well, we get, the regular guys. I would, I would say we get make fun of for being a wrestling fan. Like, people throw mm -hmm. their thumbs up at you. They thumb their nose right. up at you. Oh, you watch that? You know, whereas before it was mainstream and everybody was proud to say they were a wrestling fan. But I don't mm -hmm. think the, the, the forbidden door thing you're talking about, first of all, I hate that Tony Khan called it that. I didn't even know what that term was. I don't think it works without the WWE. You ain't getting the water cooler if you don't have the number one one in the country or the world in on it, right? Yeah. Um, People think that that's what they need, not to be on it, in on it. Listen to me. The only people watching New Japan, Impact, and AEW mergers are people who are already watching all three. You add Vince in there, and you get that buzz on the street like, holy shit, the WWE's working with other people. People are going to come back and go, whoa, how's this going to work, right? But if you don't mm -hmm. have them there... I don't think you get people to come back. Obviously, people watching Impact are going to watch, or who are watching both are going to watch the, whatever did we just call Impact, it? Impact, AEW, Ring of Honor, MLW, all that stuff. Yeah, I get, I get you. They're going to watch the ones where they work together, too. I'm talking about getting people in there who quit watching. That's the, the last fan is always the hardest one to get back, so... And if that's the reason to get them back, we'll see if it works, TW. And for that, we end the boardroom here. We end the boardroom talking about TNA Impact Wrestling. And, you know, we just had fun here in the boardroom. Of course, the BFG series, Aces and Eights, we are together, you know, in the in the, in the the trenches. You know, I need the, I need the fresh air, TW. Ah, the trees. <laughs> I love the trees here. But, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. And I'm going to give you a surprise for next week's next edition of the PWR podcast. Well, I don't know if I can because I can't read my notes because we're recording this on my phone because my iPad sucks. But I know mine. Can you do well, the other one? All right. So Tommy Wonder 19 is Instagram, also a Twitter that I fight with people about politics. Uh, at the Tommy Wonder is a Twitter where I just talk wrestling and pop culture. Dum Dum Duo and an Idiot is a YouTube channel where we do dumb things and idiotic things. Um, and then Number Wonder is my Snapchat, and no one still well, someone followed me. I didn't know the other day. Uh, and then um, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder for my Facebook, which is Tom Bryant. And, and P.P. Uh, at PB1JB is JB, who, please help us find them. Did you say peanut butter and jelly? That's what you said, peanut butter and jelly at JB or whatever? PB1JB? I said it wrong. I don't know. Oh! At the P1JB. <laughs> at Big Ray Hernandez. Can't forget him. 
And of course, PW Reflection. Don't forget that, PW. Yeah. Yes. yes. And don't forget my uh, Twitter at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. And don't forget my guys, my brothers in arms, the Masked Man. And of course, Billy Ray Valentine, the man, Mr. Infinite Fringe himself at Obi Wan, you know me. And of course, the king of the reaction, 8 Track Brown at 8 Track Dastly. TW, I think it's time to do a little spotlight for next week, TW. And I'm going to put a little curveball for everybody. You know, a couple of months ago in February, we did Black History Month. Remember those great episodes of Spotlight yep. Tag Teams? Well, you know what? I got to do a spotlight for my Latino brothers and sisters, my Hispanics out there. So, you know what? For next week, I want to kind of spread this out. So, the first one I think we should do is Mr. Aliba Man. Tito Santana. We are going to do a spotlight dedicating to the career of Mr. Chico Santana, as Justin Ventura called him, a.k.a. Tito Santana. What do you think about that? Listen to this. You're not going to believe this. What is it? Tito just recently celebrated a wedding anniversary with his lovely wife. You know how I know? How? He's Calavera Cortez's friend on my third Facebook. Wow. So guess what? We're going to do this, and we're going to be on our P's and Q's. We're not going to call him Chico, and we're not going to do all that. But we're going to... I'm going to personally share the episode to Tito on my Calavera Cortez Facebook. That's, I'm, I think Chico is a, term of is a term of endearing. But with that being said... We got we to gotta see Bobby called him. That's what happens. And Jesse did too. But anyway, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Oh, wait. Dum Dum Doom. Are you doing any videos? What are you... Are you eating on the truck? We got three of them we're gonna, we got to do, but we went out of town last week, so we got to get it going soon. Okay, with that being said, that's Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. I'm the professor saying good night, and we'll see you next week with the Tito Santana Spotlight. Good night, Reflection Talk about your damn luck. <laughs>